Okay, welcome everybody to episode number 180 of the Forever Bristol City podcast. And, uh, well, will we get to 200 before the end of the season? Who knows? But uh, the good run of 2023 continues. It's now six unbeaten in the league, nine in league and cup. It finished at Ashton Gate yesterday, Saturday. City won, Norwich City nil. Joining me are the Suttons, Tom and uh, Neil. Uh, Ian and Mark. Morning, guys. We continue in our happy mood, yes? We yes, do. real progress. Progress, indeed. All right, as we normally do, without getting into any detail of any significance, let's have just a quick 30 seconds on perceptions of the game. I'll start with you, Neil, because you're sat next to me again, So, uh, and we're not sharing an earpiece today. So, Neil, 30 seconds for you, the game. The summer. I'm kind of missing not sharing an earpiece. All right. Yeah. It's yeah. emotional. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it was a very un-Bristol City-like game, wasn't it? Cohesion, determination. I came away from it and I just thought, Lord of the Rings, Gandalf, they shall not pass, wasn't it? Yes. It was seven block shots. They were throwing themselves in. There was a determination. And, and then we got home and we watched the Cardiff game, uh, again, the highlights of them against uh, Middlesbrough. God, you know, people were jogging back and people yeah. were like apathetic in defending and all the rest of it and yesterday you just saw a really really determined performance particularly from the the back four yeah well we talk about the the detail and individual performances Uh, ian you next 30 seconds just a a brief summation of the game delighted with the commitment the clean sheet the three points the 13th place the progress up the table Uh, and the best of all if we can play much, much better than that in midfield and up front. Okay. Tom, your thoughts on the game? I thought we saw a confident performance and that's something that we usually don't see uh, as as Bristol City fans. But I think when we went on that pitch yesterday, we looked confident that we could get a result. And I think that transpired as the game grew. And uh, in the end, I think we were deserved winners. And Mark, your thoughts? Well, I'll, I'll give you a record uh, from Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. It's getting better all the time. Better, 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 I think Paul McCartney sang. I mean, Bristol City against a team who won the last two away games with four goals against Preston. Uh, yeah. And, uh, on a, and um, oh God, I just forgot. <laughs> Second one. Well, Someone else. Against, Don't worry. Against, Com- against yeah, against against Coventry, they there was they just conceded one shot on target. Our two fullbacks, George Tanner had his best game. He was marginally managed uh, man of the match. Uh, Campering now thinks he's Zinedine Zidane with through balls. Uh, the t- the 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 four three three formation is compact. We defended an early lead. We're becoming like Arsenal more than Bristol City, and it's still it's still slow pro. It's 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 still one step at a time. We're thirteenth in the table, only seven points off the playoffs. But I think we're we're looking forward to a really productive end of season, and we've got lots to be thankful for. A great defensive display and another clinical finish from Mark Sykes. Yeah, no, it was a game that we went into this thinking, well, Norwich, difficult. You know, they got gubbed by Burnley the other week, but they won their last two games convincingly. Uh, Neil, the City lineup, it's sort of, it's picking itself at the moment with Cal Naismith being out. It was obvious bringing 
Williams into the centre of the midfield. And Cal didn't have the best of games up at Carrow Road. He was responsible for two of their three goals with Ricks. But did we miss him yesterday from your perspective? It's difficult because they're not like-for-like replacements, Williams and no. Smith, are they? I mean, I thought James had a one of his best games for Bristol mm. City yesterday. Very, very good. But um, Naismith, the one thing, that pass from Pring was a Naismith pass, wasn't it? Yeah. That is the type of pass in the centre there that you expect. Obviously, Cal intercept, um, sorry, Cam intercepted, played that pass through. I think we missed a little bit of his passing, okay. a bit of his channel passing within it. Um, I think at times we're a little bit lightweight in the midfield. I don't, I think Cal Naismith allows Scott to become more involved in the mm. game. And without him yesterday, I thought Scott had a quiet game. Okay. But then he's sort of teetering on this sort of ban, isn't he? I'm he sure. Is. I thought he got a booking yesterday, but he didn't, did he? No, no, I'll let Tom say. Yeah. <laughs> his views on. All right. Well, I'll come to you next, Ian. Um, Neil's just said it's not a like for like replacement, Williams uh, coming in. And he said about uh, Pring with a Naismith style pass. I think the other thing that Pring demonstrated was that little burst of speed with the pass as well. But uh, getting back to the lineup here, it picked itself and didn't the bench look strong? I mean, you know, most of those 18 months ago would have been walking straight into our team, wouldn't they? Well, not, <clears throat> uh, not that many of them, but at the end of the day, uh, it was exactly the team I predicted a, a, w- a week before when I found out that, that Naismith weren't going to make it. And and that's a concern with a small squad. But um, uh, overall, it was, well, as I said, it was exactly what I expected right down to the subs. So, and you said it picks itself, which it does. Yeah. Neil, uh, sorry, Tom, um, your thoughts on uh, Williams coming in uh, to the middle. Like for like replacement? Obviously not. But we had maybe that little bit extra mobility there, although Neil said it, Williams coming in took away some of Scott's effectiveness. So your, your thoughts on that? Excuse me, a bit, a bit of breaking news on the podcast. Nathan Jones has been sacked at Southampton. Yay. Couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. Yeah, but apologies for interrupting. He did compromise. Anyway, From hasn't who taught to hasn't a clue. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, back to... Uh, Back to the main uh, event, um, midfield and um, Williams in, yeah. Uh, I thought I thought Williams was good yesterday. It wasn't his best performance, but I thought what he did was showed level of aggression, uh, which you always get from Williams. Um, I think passing from midfield, it wasn't what we normally have with Naismith in there, but the fullbacks made up for it and. Um, I thought Matty James, who I've been particularly vocal on my dislike for, had his best game that I've ever seen him play in. I thought he looked fit. I thought he looked aggressive in his tackles. Um, I thought he controlled the game really well. And next to Williams, who, I mean, the moment of the game for me was that foul on Max Adams, because not only did that get us fouled up, it was a sensible foul. And because Naki tried to do a little sly one before, missed it, and Williams sort of uh, knew he had to take one there and that's something that uh, 12 months ago he wouldn't have done and we would have let him continue to run at us and Masengo if Masengo's playing runs alongside there um, so I thought Williams was good and I thought the team 
as a whole played for each other yesterday, which was very good yeah. to see. No, that was good to see. Mark, somebody pointed out on, uh, I think it was Twitter or OTIB uh, last night, it's almost exactly two years ago to the day that uh, we lost 6-0 at Watford. And uh, I think there was only one member of the starting lineup from that game in the side, which was Zach. Um, but, you know, it, everybody said it's slow progress. It seems longer than two years when you look at some of the tortuous displays that we've seen prior to the turn of the year. But, uh, you know, we're, we're getting there, aren't they? And the bench, you know, when we looked at that, or I looked at that yesterday, I thought, crumbs, you know, that's, that's you know, you've got people like Vyman and Callis on the bench there and Andy King, you know, a couple of signings, you know, Jay as well, a goalkeeper we don't know too much about. But... You know, two years, we've come on a long way since that 6-0 defeat at Watford, haven't we? Yeah, against uh, against physical teams who 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 were you know quite quite direct, strong, athletic. We folded like wet cardboard. What we found is a side who were a lot fitter, a lot stronger, and a lot mentally more mentally resilient. And our back four, settled back four, are really coming into their own. I think Zach Viner for me has been the player of the season. Absolute rock in defence. Uh, his block, uh, I think, from Hernandez over the bar yesterday was absolutely terrific. Uh, Rob Atkinson, likewise, on Sarah. And Pring and James were exceptional. I mean, Pookie didn't get a look in. He had that one soft shot that Max saved down by his, you know, down by his near post. But it's, it's a settled back four that's made a huge difference. We don't pass the ball, I think, like Tom alluded to, in, in the centre and midfield. Uh, which which makes it hard for us. We need, I think, we need to create more opportunities. We only had seven shots on goal yesterday, two on target. It, it's making it really difficult, you know. And you, you, you know, unless you, the more, we're, it's going, we're going to find it difficult. We're going to find games if we if we only have that many shots on target, we find it difficult to score. Our xG ratings going to be right down. But it's just a very, it seems very compact. The players working from back to front are terrific. And that, I think Tom talked about that foul. I mean, that's something that Man City do all the time. I mean, Fernandinho, they do it in transition, giving, you know, giving fouls away in the middle of the pitch where you can't be hurt uh, normally. So it's just a fantastic team effort right now. Uh, it's it's six it's six games, but we're really on the up, and we got a great chance on Wednesday to get another three points. But it will be a different proposition. We're yeah. going to likely to defend a bit deeper than Norwich. They're not going to go uh, gung ho, and they're not going to dominate possession like Norwich did. They had sixty five percent possession yesterday, so it's going to be a completely different game, a completely different prospect. And you know, we're it's it's just great to see the development of the side after yeah. losing that West Brom game. Those two draws away at Coventry and Millwall, and then we've really started building up. But I like to see us have more possession in the middle of the pitch, and create more chances, and make life a little bit easier. Yeah, I took uh, somebody to the game who watches quite a few games with me, and he said they looked, uh, they did look comfortable on the ball, uh, Norwich, and again the possession thirty-five, sixty-five. But as I said to him, I said it's not what you do, it's not how long you've got the ball is what you do when you have got it. And you you texted me uh, halfway through the first half, yeah. Neil, and you said they're a good side. They knocked it round well. And they you they, they look more of a ex-Premier League side perhaps than even uh, Sheffield United did, who we saw down there. So they, they were good, weren't they? Yeah, strange club, Norwich, at the moment. You look at them and the sum of, sum of, of all their players, 
They've got some good players, haven't they? Technically mm. good players. I mean, McLean was excellent mm. for them yesterday, mm. almost like a quarterback role, pinging it around mm. and, and all the rest of it. But in some ways, it's not clicking for them. No. I mean, I can't really say, well, they might get in the playoffs, obviously, automatics. But oh, pre- pre- previously, mm. they've they've come down and they've been, you know, top two. Mm. And they're really strong. If you're, if you're a Norwich fan at the moment or a Norwich board, you're thinking this yo-yo thing that we've been riding the crest mm. of the way for a number of years this season perhaps isn't going to be one of those riding the yeah. crest of the wave things because they've kept pretty much that team intact, haven't they, yeah. really? I mean, you looked at it there, pretty much everybody who played yesterday had Premier League experience from last year. Yeah. But they've wasted a lot of money on a lot. Of yeah, I think there was a few comments on the Norwich City Forum saying, you know, like they're three, four points better off than we are. Hmm. You know, and the our squad. Somebody put a value of five million on Mameti. Didn't cost us that by a country mile, but you know their squad. You know, was probably well evidence of it being a parachute uh, payment club. You know, they've kept all their best players and signed one or two as well. Hmm. Ian, um, it, the turning point for the club, uh, you know, in terms of fortunes on the pitch, it happened by accident didn't it? This away game where they switched to 4-3-3 because Nigel seemed entrenched in home game. Home game. Was it home game? Home game against Swansea. Swansea, was it? Second half, yeah. Oh, second half of the cup game. Cup game. That's right. He, he's happened on it by accident rather than design. Would you agree with that view, Ian, or, 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 or not? Ian? No? All right. Tom? Um, yeah, I think that second half against Swansea, I think everyone went, that's what we should be doing. That's suited for our players. And Sorry, I'm on mute. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, carry <laughs> um, on. Tom. And it it was uh, that moment where it was like, okay, we can see some sort of structure because that three five two it had its benefits, but defensively it cost us a lot, I think. Mm. And there was players in that three five two that perhaps were... A little bit unfamiliar with how to play that three-five-two. Although we've been doing it for a while, it looked a bit of naivety in that shape. But the the way I would say this four-three-three helps us is by keeping us so compact and hard to play against. We're hard to beat at the moment. We don't. We're not shipping many goals. We're not scoring many, but we're not conceding many either. And if you don't, you know, open your floodgates, you're a difficult team to beat. And that's I think what we've really improved at. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Ian, uh, same same question to you. Uh, you're not on mute now, but, um, you know, the, the formation change, he seemed wedded to the wing-backs with the three central defenders. And, you know, it, it, you know, it happened. And it seems as though we struck lucky, a bit like Lee Johnson did with Bobby Reed playing as a striker. You know, you get into a formula. And that formula is keeping Thomas Callas out the side at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it, it, whether it was a happy accident or whether one of the coaches came to him with an idea, um, we don't know. And honestly, I don't care. Uh, I am somewhat miffed it's taken the thick end of 90 league games for him to try it when things weren't exactly peachy before that. So, so that's something we could look at. Lots of people were calling for Naismith to be moved into midfield. Um, not just me. 
you know, lots and lots and lots of fans were saying, well, well, well I was as well, Ian, to be honest. <laughs> so, so you can, you know, but he, we are where we are, as, as we often say, he's done it. Um, and players like uh, Tanner and Viner, who are, for me, 50, 60% better than they were last season, Zach Viner's in a central position, which suits him far better than right side of a three or even right back. Tanner's a right back. He's not a right wing back. He's a right back and he's playing right back. And guess what? When players are in their best position, they play better in my experience. So I think that's, I think that's all good. Um, and the only thing that concerns me, and I'll say it again, are, are injuries. The real... Um, happiness in it is that I know and I've seen us play much better in the final in our final third than we did last see uh, than we did last uh, yesterday yeah now that that's that makes that makes me happy because I'm thinking well if we can beat a side like Norwich when we weren't that great in midfield and we weren't that great I'm talking six out of ten performances you've got to give Sykes a seven because he scored a goal that by the way, I was right behind and the keeper should have saved. Um, that, there's lots of things that we can improve on still. And we beat Norwich 1-0 yesterday and, and they are a parachute team. And those are the kind of teams that we haven't normally had the confidence, belief, call it what you will, to beat. And, yeah. and, and that is a, that's a real positive in the minds of the players. But what they've got to do, the strategy is so simple from here on in it's unbelievable play the next game and win it. That's it. Don't worry about two games time, the end of the season, any of that stuff. It's all right. It's interesting to look at. Play the next game and win it. So the sole focus for when they go in training on Monday morning is how do we beat Wigan? Yeah. And, and, and that's it. Beat them. And then you can start thinking about the next game, the next game and whatever. Take everything okay. else out of your mind and keep, keep life simple for, for people. Yeah. Um, okay. And hopefully we'll get, you know, Naismith's injury won't be as bad as it was last time, but it's it's following a pattern that I said last week. I I fear it because it's a very common pattern. The oh, we don't think it's too bad. He'll be out for ten days. Ten weeks later, he comes back, yeah. and after having had the the mandatory scan, seen a different specialist, um, and all that kind of stuff. So so please, for once. Let it be good news coming back from this other specialist. That oh no, it's only it's not nothing like last time. We don't know if it's the same leg, um, and uh, and even the same right. injuries. So let's okay. let's hope, fingers crossed, that we we keep players fit because the squad is really small. No, it's true. true. Uh, Mark, let's get into the detail of the game, and it was um, you know it was I, it was. It was a technical game in the early stages, and you know I was a bit worried. I thought they look they look a bit they look decent, more than decent. And I say Neil sent me the uh, text, but we got a goal. I won't say it was against a run of play because we'd matched them. But uh, Mark, take us through the goal as uh, as you saw it. And I think um, uh, Williams challenged in our own half. I think against a number ten. I don't know if it was Kieran Dowell. <clears throat> Somebody connect, correct me if I'm wrong. I think David Wagner was uh, was was moaning about it afterwards. Won won the ball. I think there were three players around him, and then Cam Pring took the ball 
from the left, ran into the middle and just played the slide rule pass through to Mark Sykes in the right channel, uh, running into the area. And he hit the ball first time. He took the he, he took it from his right onto his left and hit the ball into the uh, into the into the left into the left corner. And it slipped under uh, under Angus Gunn. He, he he got soft hands to it. It wasn't the great. It wasn't. It wasn't. He, he should have. He should have saved it, and it squirmed into the into the bottom corner, one nil. But yeah, it was another great Mark Sykes goal. Switch feet, got it on goal, one nil. Great, great turnover in our in our half, and a, and a great and a great. I'll say a great finish. But and if the keeper, Angus. and if the keeper, as everybody said, the keeper should have <clears> been better if he'd have parried it. Naki was on hand to uh, to knock it uh, in. Had it had it, had a loose ball broken from there. Uh, Neil, you you were having a bit of uh, somebody put on the Twitter this week one of the statistics about we have we haven't scored a goal from outside the box this season. And Mark Sykes's goal, I'm just trying to picture it in my head. I think it was probably just inside the box when he struck it. And then our good friend Dave Fevs was saying, "Oh yeah, but you know, it's it's not." You know, we should. We it doesn't make any difference when we do long range shots, but you know that's that statistic and that goal. It mm. just shows that if you do take pot shot, keeper might fluff up because we'd have been annoyed with Max if he'd have conceded that one, wouldn't we? Yeah, there was there was a, a couple. I think um, I think Naki and Tanner in the first ten minutes decided to have a crack from twenty five yards, and they almost both well one one hit our player, I think, and turned out to be a wonderful pass. And then uh, I think Tanner's one was like kind of destined for the corner flag sort of thing. So there's probably a reason why we don't shoot from outside the area, really, isn't there? Judging on those two. It was a bit bizarre yesterday. One one of the things I noticed from yesterday, the ref yesterday, he played this sort of letting the play go after the foul or whatever. And up until the point where he thought there was no advantage. Yeah. And he kept doing it throughout the whole game, but it kind of left you pretty much on every challenge or every sort of, you know, foul or whatever, not entirely sure whether the play was going to be called back or not. Mm. He tend to play this advantage more than any ref I've seen this season, playing advantage, playing advantage. But sometimes that were two, three, four seconds afterwards. Yeah. And, it, and it, I can't help feeling, you know, the players themselves yesterday were a little unsure about whether there's a there's a challenge in the middle of the park or whatever. They kind of were stopping. Are you calling it? Are you not calling yeah, it? Yeah. And I thought it was up to be quite honest, yeah, you know, and I don't usually swear on it. I thought the referee was shit yesterday. And I read that he was a Premier League referee, although he hadn't refereed a Premier League game since prior to the World Cup. And after yesterday's performance, you maybe you could see why. And it was a classic case of seeming to favour. The, the Premier League side, I know there was an incident, uh, dangerous play awarded against us. And if a player puts his head down, you know, you're entitled to go for the ball. And a similar, and we were pulled up, a similar incident over on the Dolman side when one of our blokes went for it and the boot was high. He let it go. I thought he was uh, appalling. Uh, I'll come to you next time about the goal. Long-range shooting, City don't do enough of it. Um, Pookie did that long shot that Max... Uh, Got down to save that well at the foot of the post. I think that was after the goal. But you, you, you still, or you play a lot. You know, do you take? Should should City take more shots? Do you take shots when you get an eye for goal? Do you hope that the keeper's going to fumble it? I know you're a defender. You could say I'm laughing. Your dad's <laughs> laughing. Your dad's laughing. <laughs> shooting. Hey, no domestics, please. <laughs> shooting not one of my players. Let's say like that. I'm just shooting. Yeah. Right. Um, although I have scored a few in my time, so. 
Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think there's been examples where we we've taken shots on and it, it's worked. Semenyo Semenyo's goal was Zach Viner shot from outside the box, bounced in front of the keeper comes to mind. But I don't think really when it comes to shooting, our players are, are fantastic from shooting outside the box. We've not got that player that that can hit the ball and get that movement on it. Uh, I think Semenya would have been our best bet, but with him gone. But for me, yesterday, I think we we were we were clinical in the chance we got, barring Cornick, which was frustrating. But I think uh, I think we played well, and I think we we used the ball confidently in the final third often, which was good. Um, and I think I think yeah, uh, the goal for Sykes itself was. I was happy he took the shot quickly because it was a four-on-two, and uh, I'm sure we'll get on to how Norwich played. But the the goal was one that you maybe wouldn't expect Sykes to score with Hanley coming across, and he put it on his weak foot, which I didn't really understand. But I was happy he felt confident to take the shot on, and that is different to this time last year where the player wouldn't have felt confident in scoring. Yeah, so everybody's using the word uh, confidence coming through. Ian, um, the, the the goal, I think we've done that to death, but the referee's performance, it was it was amongst the worst that we've seen this season, wasn't it? Yeah, just inconsistent. Yeah, I, I think it was. And um, referees have been told to allow the game to flow and not all contact is a foul, et cetera, et cetera. And we know all that. And when they get it right, it does help the game flow. There's absolutely no doubt. When they get it wrong, it spoils the game. And yesterday he got it wrong. Uh, and that's why, despite, you know, there's somebody on here with a, a laughing emoji about VAR. I'd have VAR tomorrow because we would have had nine, ten penalties over the last couple of years if we had VAR. So... But it's a double-edged sword. You know, a couple of times, some of our players, I'm thinking Alex Scott could have been sent off for challenges with VAR. So, um, and perhaps we could have had some penalties given against us. Who knows? So, so it is a double-edged sword. But I I think, yes, he he, he attempted attempted to let the game run. He also gave, unusually, we don't concede the majority of fouls in a game. Yesterday, we conceded double the fouls they did. And we I did, that's, that's right. We conceded, yeah, about 14, I think it was, or something like yeah, that. And, yeah, and, and that was, as soon as you get up over 20-odd fouls in a game, the game starts to get disjointed. Mm. Um, and, and it doesn't make for a better game. The possession stats are also fascinating, but we are a far better side out of possession than in possession. And this might be... Um, what we've got to be careful of against Wigan because we'll likely have a lot more of the ball. So it's a question of our midfield needs to be creative about it. And I think somebody like, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mimetti, uh make his make his full debut because you, you need something to unlock a defence if it's deeper that we, we haven't got that a lot. So um hope I'm wrong. Um, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be a difficult game. But we'll we'll certainly find out. I mean, the the uh, I want my um, I want to get uh, a, a Man City ticket. Mob will be back again, so that should swell the cl- swell the crowd. So um, it'll be it'll be an interesting game. But once again, that's what we focus on, and that's the one we've got to win. Yeah, 
Okay, um, Neil, substitutions. Uh, we did uh, three sets of substitutions. Uh, the first one uh, on the hour, and on came uh, Harry Cornick, not Harry Connick, as some people refer to him as, and uh, Mimetti. Well, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cornick and Mimetti for Wells and Bell. Let's talk about the timing of that. Were they the first two substitutions? Were they the right ones to do? Um, well, we we kind of thought Bell might do 60. It wasn't his sort of game yesterday. I mm. thought he was very willing, yeah. but it wasn't his sort of game. So I could see the Mimetti one. Well, there was a strange thing yesterday with a lot of players. There was a lot of falling over yesterday, wasn't there? there slipping, was a, yeah. A lot of slipping mm. everywhere. And Wells in particular was slipping over a number of times. There were a few times in the, in the middle of our part, he was coming so deep to get the mm. ball, wasn't he? He was coming, you know, 30 yards from his own goal to get the ball at some stage. And, he, and then there was a lot of slipping and sliding around. Cornet came on. I swear he was knackered in five minutes, wasn't he? Yeah. I, I don't know what his fitness levels are like at the moment. They didn't look great. Injured, and I know... Pearson has said, oh, you know, it'd be great to have a pre-season with him, get him up to speed fitness-wise. That's what Lee Johnson said about Casey Palmer, wasn't it? Yeah. Eh? Look how that fits. But, but he, he, he looked he, off it. He was blowing. He was I mean, blowing, we haven't even he? talked about his missed chance yet. No, 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 no. I mean, that would have been the perfect yeah. start, wouldn't it? it? Yeah, but he just... He's a, he's a good player to have in that situation. You know, the type of signing we don't normally... Well, we haven't been able to do for a while. Mm. Um, during the season, obviously we've got Naismith yeah. um, in in the summer, but to bring an established championship player who knows the division, yeah. knows the way they're playing, because you know when you're looking at someone like Mometi yesterday, you can see why he would stand out in League One. But League One and the Championship are miles poles apart. apart. Poles yeah. apart. Yeah. And you, you get these show reels of the League One or whatever. And no, the, I think I need to look good on one of those. Yeah, <laughs> the defenders are falling over themselves all over the place, aren't they? Yeah. And he's not going to have that same. So he's going to take some time to come up. And Cornick, look, as I say, knackered in the first five or ten minutes. But um, I think yeah. with it, it's um, it's an obvious one. But what's good with the subs, and I know we'll come to some of the others, what is good with them is that we... The players on that picture, yes, were starting with the same team. Results dictate that, mm. and he's true to his word about, you know, if you play well, you stay in the shirt. But they know that there are, if Sykes had a poor game, he knows Vyman's in there. Yeah. Or he knows Cornick's in there. Yeah. Even Tanner, if Tanner had a poor game, he knows that Callas is now. Well, potentially and we know Callas can play at right back. Absolutely. And then we've got Kane Wilson to come in as well. So even if Pring, then you've got the silver. Oh, yeah. so, so. But to do it, you, you have got options now. The one thing we haven't quite got is the options in centre midfield. Because I, you know. Well, after if, King, if Scott, after King, if, it's kids, isn't it? Yeah, well, if Scott gets his band, which will happen at some stage, mm. he will get a booking. I think it's like late March or something like mm. that, the thing. So if, if Scott gets there, who, who do you play in the centre? Mm. Don't know really if Naismith is still injured. You, you, you got a problem. You, you got, got a problem. problem. You got a bit. Of you got stamina. There. You know, just that's the thing. Because King well, is a good player. Did he bring Vyman on for Scott yesterday? He did something? with nine minutes to go. Yeah, I, I, I don't see Vyman in the centre there. Well, but some people have said he can play behind the two. Yeah. Uh, Tom, what did what did you think of uh, Cornick yesterday? 
I, he, somebody said, you know, he looked very lightweight and what have you. With, I think he's got the Alice hairband. You, you're too young to remember a player called Scott McGarvey uh, who played for us for a very short period of time. But he had the, the Buffon star hair. Uh, in fact, he looked. Like, I thought I thought Cornick's hairstyle yesterday he was a little bit like a poor man's Jack Grealish, basically. But that's where the similarity uh, started and finished. But uh, what do you think of the timing of those substitutions? Half an hour for our two window signings to get minutes on the pitch. Your comment on both of them? I think uh, I think it was good timing. I thought I agree with uh, my dad on Bell. I thought he always gives 100%, but he wasn't really involved in the game that much. And I think bringing on Mameti was the right decision. Naki Wells, he took off uh, because he wanted fresh legs to press from the front, which did well yesterday to press him. And Harry Cornick's got one of the most amount of pressers out of any forward in the division. But Cornick looks to me like someone we were going for in summer that we've had to bring forward and Pearson will want a pre-season with him so not only to bulk him up I think physically um, but also fitness wise and get him embedded in that team but giving half an hour to each of the signings I thought was was good management and I think it didn't change where we played either and I think that's mm. always that's always a real positive because if you're not changing the way you play and not Facing how you play off substitutes and you can keep the same formula, then that is it's going to work because it's not like a okay, we have to play a different style now. It's not like when Martin comes on and you're like, okay, well, we can't do these balls in behind now that Naki would get because Chris Martin looks like he's running in slow motion. Um, he did score yesterday, mine, Tom. He, he, did, did, he did score. It was a very Martin esque. I haven't seen it yet. I'll make a point of looking at that one uh, um, later. But, but yeah, I think. Cornick, you can see, plays a similar way to Wells, running behind. And I think Metty, he's that, he's that uh, maverick, should we say, that Pearson's been looking for. The one that, I know Pearson regrets using the word maverick now because everyone's trying to label Mametti as it. But um, I think he showed flashes of what he can do, but it's going to take time to get up to championship standard. Yeah. Um, Mark, do you, do you think uh, Mametti showed yesterday he's got that... Um, don't want to use the word, but I'm going to say it anyway, maverick about him, you know, and that you can remember back in the 70s and 80s, you know, and 90s, but you've got people like um, Duncan McKenzie, you know, you've got more recently Adel Tarabat, uh, and then there was another guy, uh, was it, no, not Peter Beagrey, was it, not Tony Curry, there was a couple of wingers that were always difficult to play against, and although he could have released the ball a couple of times early, you know, Mimetti looked... More impressive than Cornick, in my view. Mark Gavin. And Tom's just, uh, Neil's just said Mark Gavin. But what do, you, what do you think of the two subs yesterday that had the most minutes on the pitch, Mark? I thought it was about, you know, adding fresh legs. Uh, I mean, our game really relies on attack, uh, defending from the front, lots of pressing. Uh, so the players really, really work very, really hard, which means we need to make those substitutions. But I like Mimetti. He attacked. He attacked Aaron's. He, he he was fearless. He he tried. He tried different different things. And I've, you know he's a player who scored night. Yeah, it's League One, but he he played in the Championship two seasons ago for Wickham, and and scored three goals this this season. He scored nine goals and he's got three assists. So he's on the up. Um, apparently he's an exceptional trainer. So I think fitness may not be an issue. Uh, but he's a player that's, that's really on the up with his goal scoring. He's he's he was twenty two a couple of weeks ago. I think we you know can look forward to to a lot from him. It is early days, 
But uh, yeah, I like what I saw yesterday. Cornick, I think in, you know we need the ball on the ground. There are a lot, a lot of balls in the air. I think which were a bit of a waste, waste of time. And he was knocked off the ball easily. But what we got to remember that he came from a Luton side. He was integral in Luton side last season with twelve league goals that finished in the top six. This season they're they're fourth at the moment. And um, you know we we look at Luton and think, oh, they pay their players after wages, crap grounds, low support, but they're fourth in the championship yeah. because they because they trade well and they've got a very good solid solid team. So I think they, you know he's got a lot to give give our give our team. Uh, so I think you know. Let's see but we didn't. What we didn't see. We didn't weeks. see much of it yesterday, Ian. It would well, have been only, a perfect. It's only the first couple of sub. It's a couple of cameo substitute appearances, David. We got to give him time. I know. No, I know. I know, <clears throat> Ian. It, it would have been the perfect debut, and we've forgotten. We wouldn't have made any of these comments at all if he'd have buried that chance in the 80th minute, and that would have made would have made the game safe without question. But um, you know, is he just a victim of not? sort of playing much football in the last uh, six weeks or so? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, Luton fans were saying when we signed him, why are you getting so excited about signing our fourth-choice choice, fourth striker? Um, I think he needs he needs to... Pearson said, we'll get him fitter and we'll get him stronger. And he needs to get much stronger. He needs to put on about, I'd say, half a stone to a stone of muscle and he needs to increase his upper body strength because he just gets pushed about. And we, oh, we've sorry, got, somebody's clicking a pen there in the background. Please stop. We've right, got, um, we've got a. Um, he's an experienced player, but he looked lightweight yesterday. He looked like, and we've got too many that aren't big people physically. Now I think I mean Cornick's not big. He's I think he's about goes about five ten. But Naki Wells looks a far stronger player, and uh, than, than than he does. So, um, and and that was a poor finish. Now I haven't seen it back. I don't know if he could have slid the ball sideways to Mameti or whoever was up with him for a tapping. But if I was, um, if the same situation arose on Wednesday night and we needed to replace Naki for whatever reason, I put Andy Vyman on in front of Cornick. Okay. Yeah, and Andy came on for the last uh, ten minutes. Uh, Neil, back to you. The 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 game. Uh, people have been saying on here, we looked fit. We didn't look as though we were tiring. We closed the game down. We didn't. You know, we weren't in really too much trouble. And probably the only negative. Well, yeah, really the only negative yesterday was some of Max's kicking. I mean, has he been getting coaching from Frankie Fielding? Because when you want him to you know, get the ball in the middle down there. So many times, you know, particularly late on, it was just going into touch and giving possession giving possession away cheaply. That's a part of his game that he really needs to improve. I thought his handling yesterday was impeccable. He did one punch, which was good. Yeah, and he looks confident. <laughs> but that kicking when it's from his own hands and what have you, and it is, it's when he's kicking from his own hands rather than has the ball played back to him. Mm. It was poor, wasn't it? It's strange with him because I remember the stats, bless him, stats, lovely stats, says that, you know, his his kicking was that much better than Ben's. And I always had this image of Max O'Leary as not somebody that dominated his area, mm. not came for balls, not did the punches, not... So, you know, quite 
was he six one? But yeah. Still looks a bit of a slight keeper, even though he's 26 now. Yes, he right? is 26, yeah. With regards to it, his handling now generally is very, very good, isn't yeah. it? And he's coming for balls. And when he's punching, he's getting distance on that punches. Yeah. And when he's, you know, gathering the balls, he's gathering the balls. But the kicking's gone completely awry, hasn't yeah. it? But then I've had this thing for, for weeks about this long kick to Pring on the left-hand side that just does your head in, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I have no idea what we're expecting. Because how tall's Pring? Well, he's not that tall. But didn't we used to do that in days gone by with Flint would position himself on the halfway line and the idea is to get it Surely there. we've and got completely different coaches now. Well, we have. Well, sorry, but, I mean, a, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, six foot one. Is he? Who? Pring? Yeah. Pring is six foot one, the same size as... Yeah, Zach Viner's six two. There you go. Okay. Anyway, carry on. Carry on, Neil. But I agree Thanks. with you. It doesn't work, and it's an antic, not a tactic. It is. It is. How many go straight out of play, or he gets half a connection on it, and we lose the second ball or whatever? Is I, I don't get it. It's not I, enough. There's not enough. But he go. We go long now because at the start of the season we had this lovely. Uh, we'll play from the back. We'll play it short, and then we've realised hmm, maybe with Rob Atkinson that's not a great idea. Nay Smith, when he was playing at the back, playing it through, so stuff it. Let's mm. err on the side of caution here. Because the one thing we've done exceptionally well, defensively, is uh, we've uh, got... <laughs> Someone's throwing me there. Um, as uh, We've stopped the mistakes, haven't we? Yeah, The no, individual mistakes of the back four, albeit Max's against Preston last week. But the ball's at the feet, the playing through, the mm, not our strongest feet, so... Yeah, his kicking isn't the greatest, but at least we're getting it away. Yeah. And Tom, at your level of football that you play, you know, what's the standard of goalkeeping like in terms of kicking? Do you look at that and yesterday with Max and think, Jesus, you know, come on, kicking it straight out on a couple of occasions in a really amateurish way, wasn't it? You know, and you'd expect it maybe twice in a game max but it's probably half a dozen times that's maybe being a bit harsh there but uh what 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 did you think of uh the the kicking from max yesterday uh awful um i think when it's goal kicks it's unforgivable most of the championship goalkeeper from goal kicks to kick it out of play i mean numerous times i, I remember one in about the the 88th 89th minute where it's like you're trying to slow the game down and Max O'Leary's kicking it out for a nice yeah. on the halfway line. That was exactly the instance I and was thinking of there. It, yeah, it, It's like, it, it's not only game sense, it's basics. And it, surely it would be so much better. And so much, if you kick it straight, which it's got positives and negatives, but there's a second ball to be won. If you're yeah. kicking it out, there's no second ball to be won. No, you're and giving the opposition possession straight away, haven't you? It, it, it's consistent with the last few weeks with, Max, his, his distribution last season, everyone went, or oh, Max and his distribution is a lot better than Bent's. And that was the deciding factor. And while he looks a better goalkeeper, you know, with his hands and with his saving than this time last year by, you know, loads, I think. I think he's improved massively. That kicking's gone right downhill. And I, I don't understand why. Um, maybe it's just that he's got into a habit of, of scooping it or something like that. But it, it's consistently going out of play, as you say, about six or seven times per match. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Mark, crowd yesterday, 23, well, a couple of hundred short of 24,000. Good atmosphere, although Block A and the Dolman, there seemed to be a lot of stewarding over there. They seem to be quieter. I heard Come On You Reds emanating as much from the south stand as even Section 52, and there were a few ripples even above me. I'm in lower lands down, but even up there. But there's a, there is a buzz at the ground that has been lacking for most of the last, well, for, for a long time. It's been there in flashes, but there's a sense of expectation, isn't there? Yeah, I mean it's got it's got to be earned, and um, because results you know before this run have been, have been quite poor, and it was noticeable that a lot of people you know season ticket holders were staying away. So every season ticket holder counts. I think there were few spaces yesterday because people probably away for for half term holiday with with the kids. But yeah, it's great. The grounds you know since it's been upgraded it looks great, doesn't it? When it's near when it's nearly full. Norwich looked like they brought their full allocation, which I think maximum is about two, three, isn't it? Must have been close to that. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. We've got a ground to be proud of. It'd be great if, it, you know, we could see see that in, in, in the Premier League, uh, you know, while we're all still alive to enjoy, to well, enjoy it. it. Obviously, Tom won't, Tom won't have that problem. He, no. he, might, he might get there just it, in time. It was interesting you say about the Premier League because it was the last team we played <clears> at home in the Premier League was... Norwich City. It was the famous game when uh, I think it was John Fashion who uh, ended up elbowing uh, David Rogers, who went off with a bloody nose. And that was the last game in the Premier League. And I think the crowd was about 13,000. So it just showed Yeah, you know, I, talked get... him ab- I talked to him about that. I remember he said, he, uh, I said to him, Did you think about having to go back, uh, David? And he said, oh, w- Would you? Um, it was like that, really. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. John was 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 known for being a little bit physical. Uh, Justin Fashionu was known for being a bit, a little bit physical, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. Absolutely right. Um, Ian, atmosphere is good at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's building. There must have been a few day trippers there yesterday as well, hoping to get their Man City allocation, but probably no more than about fifteen hundred. What would you say? It's winning games of football, Dave. That's mm. what does it. If we'd have lost that game yesterday 3-1, the atmosphere wouldn't have been as good. So no. keep winning, keep putting in the performances. I thought I would give 10 out of 10 for the commitment yesterday. And I haven't done that very often this season. And that was to a man. Even if they didn't have a great game, they were trying hard. And I can excuse our our forwards because of the service to them. The service to them was dreadful. Yeah. Um almost throughout but the commitment was there the fans see that you know what the fans are like at ashton gate they love a tackle they they love to see players with, with you know i have people talk to me all the time about oh well there's no passion there's but they're, they're more worried many of them are more worried about the passion and the commitment because let's be honest over the years we've had players down there who couldn't kick the ball in the right direction but yeah. who were reasonably popular uh, yeah. And you wouldn't you wouldn't think so because they they put their head on the line they put their body on the line and that that gets through to the fans now that that gets the fans excited then the fans start getting excited then the players feed off that so it's that but winning is is everything you could you could dance around oh well we, you know we play lovely football and it's a nice and Pearson says this a lot. Oh, it's a nice place to come, and we've got a nice ground and all this. He said, "I don't, don't, yeah, that's that's lovely. We want to welcome people here, but we want to beat them as well." Yeah, and, and that uh, is what I've been saying for 
for years it's about the results because that's the thing that gets you promoted results nothing else will do it being no. having a lovely ground and being awarded the most welcoming ground in the efl that's smashing but it's not as good as beating people no that's true no, um just well, it long ago, we had the most welcoming defense in in the championship was it yeah no, that's true oh, let me just yeah. ask you let me just ask you a quick question because i want to uh push on and look forward. I know Ian wants to take one game at a time, but let's just look at what's coming up over the next few weeks. But to Mark or any of you, uh, and I haven't got a view, so but this has come from Jimbo. What do we think about the standard of tactics of stewards? Hate to see kids running on the pitch, but don't think stewards should drag them off away from their parents. Should have taken them back to parent and given a warning. Fear of what's going to happen at the end of the Man City game, win or lose, not a good look. Stewarding in general is poor. Somebody made a comment on OTIB that they look generally, they're either disinterested or overly zealous in what they do. That's the only input I've got there. Many don't seem to be familiar with the layout of the ground and avoid intervening to stop people loitering and blocking views at the end of the game. So, um, I mean, Mark, do you have a view on stewarding at all? I think it's, 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 it's you know, it's... Damned if you do, damned if you don't with stewards. I mean, they're not security guards. They're there to, to to steward. It's in the name. So their remit, they've got to obviously be careful with, with children. Children shouldn't run on the pitch. Nobody should invade the pitch. The, the club make that pretty clear and the, the FA make that pretty clear. But they've got to be very careful how they how they handle kids and, and they should be taking them back to their to their parents. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's got to be very, very gently, gently done because otherwise it just becomes a story, and you don't want you don't want a bad news story to take away from from a great win. Yeah, uh, do uh, you, Neil? I'll just take your view on this, just to nip that in the bud. But you know, Stuart, you're over the Dolman side. Mm. There's been that block A starting to, you know, it's a different composition. Well, it was a section eighty two as yesterday, wasn't it? After the game, they took exception to quite a lot of the stewarding. Did I they? Think. Yeah. Right. Uh, that uh, that sort of thing. When, uh, when I looked up and saw this tiny little kid being marched over to uh, the tunnel by two, I thought, "Blimey, okay, fair enough." Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and I think there was um, uh, they've obviously been told no kids on the pitch, and I get that with all those placards. It was getting a bit silly, wasn't it? But I, d- I don't think it's been an issue no. for a few months, has it? This because of course. <laughs> The results haven't actually generated. The people wanted to go on the pitch. Can I not have your shirt? Was more yeah. the placard the last few months. Yeah, but the um, but the the thing is, get yeah, through the shirt to the crowd. Yeah. Gets thrown yeah. back. You throw it back. <laughs> yeah. When when it happens again, and you write about a Man City, they they're going to be all over the pitch, aren't they? I know, but really? if you I mean, go, if you go to the crowd, if you go, you got to look at the parents, and yeah. you know, I mean, my kids are in their thirties. No, but you've got to look at the parents. If you go, if I say in five years' time, my grandson would be nine years old and I took took him down there, he would not run on the bloody pitch because he's uh, brought up and that's how oh you God. do it. We're getting into parenting here. We're getting into parenting, parenting. yeah. We're getting a whole load of stuff. All right, look, let's, uh, let's try and... Uh, um, I thought we were talking about the backland yeah. net, not mum's met, David, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're in the we're in the fantasy island part of the podcast now. As we wrap up, look, I mean, everybody says, "Oh, look, we could do what Hull did." And as I said before, we went live. Some people might have heard it. Hull oh seven oh eight. We were one of the last teams to beat them, but their last sixteen games, they won nine, drew four, lost three. So that was thirty one points. Brought them up to seventy five. Interestingly, Palace that year 
got promoted, were in the playoffs with 71 and Watford got there with 70. And both of those teams flopped in the final, I'll call it third of the season. Palace 7-5-4, Watford 3-9-4. We've got to win, never mind draws, we've got to win 10 out of 16. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we've got to do. Yeah, yeah because right. we're on 39 points at the moment. Let's say we need... 71. So we've got we've got to win as many games in the next 16 as we've won all season. Correct. So just coming to each of Oh you. no, is that what is that right? Oh my god, is it put it that way? It's a no from you then, Neil. No. It's a no from you. Yeah. Ian, simply, can we do 10 out of 16? Um, Playing like we did yesterday. I Honestly, you won't hear me say this very often, Dave. I don't know. It. I'll, I'll, I'll clarify that. It depends on can we keep everyone fit? Um, can we keep playing the way we're playing um, w- without Naismith? I think we missed Naismith yesterday. I know we won the game, but I, I think we missed him because his first idea is always, who can I play at forward to who's in a dangerous position? And he's got a a better passing range than Williams or James. And in terms of long range passing, it's better than Scott. So um, I, I think that's a miss. All right. Uh, well, answer, answer so, the question. So I said two months ago that we could make the playoffs if we put a run together because it's an average and tight division. And I think yesterday proved it. Mm. So is it possible? Yeah. If you're saying I would I would be 70-30 against okay. that we won't do it. All right. Okay, that's enough on that. Um Tom. Tom, what you you know, can we do it? I mean, Nigel Pearson, he was manager of the Leicester side that got to the playoffs with 68. And then the following season, when they ran away with the championship, his last 17 games, and that was with a team that was flying. Uh, 2014 15 season. He won 10, drew six, lost one. Um, I, I put it down that to get 71, 10 2 4. Yeah. Can we get that 10? Because, you know, there's no point in getting draws. It's 10 wins. Can we do it, Tom? No. no. Um, <laughs> sorry to be sorry. There we go, Tom. <laughs> I, I think looking at the last month of the season as well, that is a really difficult month. The next six games, you've got the uh, the bottom four, so those are the must wins for me. And yeah. if you if you if you were to get a good uh, results against them, then you'd be like, okay, let's assess it then. But they're all, you know, that I I think it's very unlikely, unfortunately. Yeah. No, I, I I and and Mark, what do you what do you think? <laughs> I think it's highly unlikely. Um. I mean, you look at Forest last season; they had a much bigger squad. I mean, they had they had uh, eight points from their first ten games, and they got seventy two from the next thirty six, didn't they? Two points again. Yeah. It's possible. Anything's possible. We still got a third of the season to go. I mean, you know, we're mm. it's, it's, we've got sixteen games to go, so anything's possible. But we just don't have the depth. I don't think, David. It's the midfield where we're very light. If you lose, uh, if you lose Scott, or you lose Williams, Williams. I mean. You couldn't play two games, two games in a row, 
you know, he's, he's blowing. So hopefully his, his fitness, his fitness is paramount on Thursday, on Wednesday. And we've got to find different ways to win um, because Naismith, he passed the ball well, but he passed the ball forward so quickly as well. He, you know, he, he, he can do it in an instant, looks up, finds, and he's got that great ability to find space and turn the ball over. And carry, you know, Dare I say, sorry to, interrupt, sorry to interrupt, Mark, but Cam Pring with that burst into the middle and the pass, yeah, you know, I mean, could you put Pring, played, played well, Pring in the middle? Because well. he cut inside quite a bit. No, with, I, I, I don't know. We digress. So, right, getting back to the question. Sorry, I took it off the track there. You, you, you think it's possible but unlikely. Yeah, yeah, it's un, it's 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 unlikely. I think we can finish in the top ten the way we're the way we're playing. I think, but I mean, that's we we got sensible. We're we're riding we're riding. Uh, Alex Scott is one booking away from a two game ban. Uh, not counting the uh, it won't count in the uh, uh, in in the FA Cup unless he gets unless he gets sent off. So we we're you know we need to, we need to keep players fit. And we need to, you know, to keep Alice, Alice Scott away from getting yellow cards, and we need to create more, more chances because I, I, our XG is very, very low at the yeah. moment. We we can't keep getting away with it, Brilan. On no, I think with Alex Scott, lead. if he's going to get a yellow card, then let's let him get it and miss maybe. No, no, we can't do it. We haven't got, we haven't guess, got, David. We have not got, we haven't not got that option. You can't no. go and say just let's let him get it. I mean, well, not let him, games. but the chances are, you know, that is he holding back in matches because he knows because I thought he was unlucky. I thought he was lucky not to be booked yesterday when he. Well, he does those so silly fouls. On. He pulls players back. Yeah, and well, that's he lets what he players, did. But his arms, players get goal side of him. Was the majority. Is that right? What you just said, Mark. Sorry about. The uh, if he gets a two match ban, it doesn't cover cup games. Uh, no, 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 it, it doesn't. It, uh, it's a standalone competition. I think Dave Febbs was saying on OTIB that. Uh, oh, right. Okay, I wasn't aware it's, of that. It's only that, if, it, if only if it's, yeah. he gets right. sent okay. off, it doesn't count. Another yet. question, Tom. That's, that's why. This. Yeah, that's why Pring was banned for the uh, the West Brom game. He got two bookings in the cup, which uh, automatically banned him from the, mm-hmm. for the next game. Okay. So uh, yeah, I mean he. But, he it's those it's those very fine margins we our midfield need to play play better amongst themselves to create chances for our for our forwards but they, yesterday that goal showed how we can do something different a, a left uh, a left back coming into the middle you know using some creativity and playing it it was a great pass by campering yeah. You know, Percy Proudhoff, but you wouldn't want to take him out of left back. One thing you could do, this is just a hypothetical. If he were a stretch, there is a guy that's played auxiliary midfield player before. He can tackle well and he can pass the ball, but it's a left field one. It's, it's Zach Viner. Well, uh, Alex Moore suggests putting that on if the you, text. If you were Viner desperate, you could, you, could, you could play him there. But I don't yeah. think that's something that that uh, Nigel wants to do. No, there he's got something... an established partnership now with Viner. Yeah, and exactly. We've got to settle back work. four. And that's why we're reaping the benefits. As a unit, they're terrific. Yeah. Terrific. Okay. Um, Tom, Pearson's uh, contract runs out in a year. If he gets a top 10 finish, which I think collectively we're saying is probably achievable. Yeah, let's forget the playoffs. If we get a top 10 finish, um, should City be sitting around the table with him in the summer rather than let it fester on until November next year? What do you think? Um, I'm, I'm a fan of Pearson. Um, 
I, I think you'd look at it and he what well, he signed an initial three year was it? Yeah, uh, it was a three year plan, and over the the last two two bit years, well year and a half, two years, it, he's changed the whole structure of the club really, and he's had to go through one of the biggest Bristol City transitions that we've had. Um, and I think he's been him and Richard Gold were sort of the head of that, and I think he's done a really good job at that, reducing the wage bill, bringing through academy products. So I think I think yes, I think rewarding him with a new potentially two-year deal uh, could be a very valid option. Yeah, okay. Ian, uh, one thing one thing to come in at, it could be, it might be the right time soon because the way Southampton recruit managers, I mean, it's out there, but you never know, do you? He's had Premier League experience. No, I think he wants to do a job. I think you can just tell by the look on his face and his mannerisms and whatever. How can you tell what he's thinking? He never gives much away. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he just looks at, He looks a different individual to what he did. Ian, look, five weeks, eight weeks ago, you, me, others, you know, it's, you know, he can't, he can't do it. Um, if he gets a top 10 finish, he's brought youngsters in. You know, he's been astute in the transfer market. You know, we, he's probably got a little bit of money to spend in the summer, even more so if Scott goes. And as somebody said on OT the other day, if we did get 25 million for Scott and he's going to be showcased against Man City in a couple of weeks, you know, at least half of that would be spent. But is the summer, if he gets that top 10 finish, chance to extend his contract by a further year, Ian? Well, it depends on results. If he gets a top 10 finish, right, the results are yeah. going to continue. I mean, if he lost the last five games, you know, but well, let's Dave, say... when does it... Well, hang on, stop talking for a minute. When, when does his contract run actually no. run out? This contract runs out in end of next season. Right, OK. So the, the end of, of, not this season, but the end of next season. Yeah. Well, I would be inclined to to give in the summer, um, and then see how we do next season. And if it's going well, let's say, let's make something up. Let's say we won seven out of ten games at the start of next season, and we're playing well. Uh, then that would be the time to sit down and and, and extend his contract. It's all yeah. it's all about results, you know. Because let's be honest. If we lose against Wigan and then we lost the next three or four, people would be calling for his head again. So yeah, 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 you would. Let's not let's not go. You know, Nathan Jones, who just been fired a few weeks ago, beat Man City. Yeah. Right. So we're all everybody's. You know, I'm loath to use the phrase "let's not get carried away," but let you know, please, let's not. It, we've had a good run in January. All right, it's not all been wins. It, it's been some draws and there have been some cup games in there. But I'm I'm more far more optimistic now about survival, and that's still the main thing. We we need 14 points, in my opinion, more to guarantee survival. All right. So let so before we start talking about new contracts for this and new contracts for that, I'm absolutely no doubt if we get to the end of this season, as you said, and we're in the top 10 or better. Then um, Steve Lansdowne will sit with him, sit down with him, and agree a two, three-year extension in either in the summer or part way into the start of next season. Yeah. But the, the summer is key because we need to know who's staying 
and who's going. And I think we pretty much know they're just the odd one. Like, for example, Will Callas stay. I think that's oh, the Will only Jay one. Silver stay. Will Jada Silver stay? I, I don't think. I think he'll go to Coventry, and he would have gone to Coventry if we could have got the left back from Wimbledon. And we're still the, the intimation coming from um, Tinian and uh, Nigel Pearson as well. You know, we could revisit some of those moves. Uh, for him and the, and the centre-back at Crystal Palace in the summer. So it's going to be more of the same type of recruitment. We're, unless we sell Scotty for massive money, then it's going to be more of the same. And I still think even if we sell Scotty for massive money, we're still not going to be paying the silly wages no. and all the rest of it. I think those those days are absolutely gone out and will never return. Yeah, and we're probably going to be reporting in the summer uh, a, a loss between fifteen and twenty million, I would say. Neil, would you agree? North, north, north of twenty, I would say. Neil says north of twenty. You're probably I not wrong. I, I don't. All know. right. I mean, this not, this not after, uh, we, not after we sold Semenyo, it, it won't be north of twenty because if, if it no. is, I mean, uh, the the question I, I want to ask Steve Lansdowne on Thursday is. Richard Gould was very political and very careful to say we won't get a points deduction this season, this year. Now, how about next year and the year after? And that's what I'd like clarification on. Assuming we don't, if we don't do any business in the summer, no outs, no ins, mm. and we reduce the wage bill, have we got a problem next season and then the following season? When all these yeah. allowances, well, every year that that, every year that that thirty eight million and the twenty eight million are in there, yeah. So things have got to happen. Yeah. I think that, that's 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 my that's my concern. I'm not saying it's a massive worry, uh, but that's my concern. Is is that going to happen? And you know, Steve Lansdowne's a very honest guy. When you ask him questions, and if he says no, you don't need to worry worry about that. Even if we don't sell Scotty for big money, I'll I'll be very happy and I'll believe him. I think the thing is with with Scott. I think this year, as you say, we've not spent hardly any of the Semenyo money, and what goes in the accounts is the fee, not the actual cash, because we probably barely had a third of the Semenyo cash. I don't know, but if they did an early transfer of Scott in late May, once the season's over, and you drop twenty five million for Scott in this year's accounts it's, and Semenyo. It's like the Lloyd Kelly moment. That's it? what I'm saying. It's like the Lloyd Kelly thing. All right. And we've made a profit. And yeah. we made a profit. Yeah, yeah. well done, Mark Ashton. Yeah. Right. I mean, this. I want to wrap up now because we're going to record on Thursday morning uh, after the uh, Wigan game. But every, every time we do this podcast, when we're of a certain age, Tom, not you, if I said to you, Tom, Burt Bacharach, that wouldn't mean anything to you, would it, Tom? Yes? No. No, Name not clue. Now, I'm the eldest here, and I would say Burt Bacharach. If you look at all the songs, he passed away this week at the age of 94, yeah? And his songs have been part of the tapestry of one's life. I mean, do you, do you any of your favourite songs include any by Burt Bacharach? No. No. Mark? Well, no, I'm Mark, Mark you, you're a bit of a Burt Bacharach fan, aren't you? This is what the intro oh, is. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's an absolutely song. superb, superb songwriter and, and, uh, and arranger. Uh, remember, he, he made. I think he made set of black like thirty one takes. I think with, with about the song Alfie. And, uh, do you know yeah. the way to San Jose by Dion Warwick? And uh, I'll never fall in love again. It just yeah, some 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 of the best songs of the twentieth century were Burt Backrack and Hal David songs. 
if you get a chance to listen to them. Just close your eyes, covered by multiple yeah. artists. Absolutely brilliant. Well, before we wind up, David, I just want to say one thing about something that we mentioned on last week's podcast. I don't think we, we pushed it because we didn't expect the, the FA to do anything. But uh, Ched Evans rightly uh, oh, yeah. got a four-match yeah. four ban. And it wasn't, as I put it on TV, uh, on OTIV, OT, a foul on Alex Scott. This was an assault on Alex Scott. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't just the um, the arm round the neck or the, the, the rabbit punched the neck. It was the, the stamp as well. It was absolutely abysmal. So yeah. quite rightly banned. Thank you yeah. very much. And, uh, and Ian, Ian, you're uh, any... any um... Burt Bacharach songs that feature in your uh, top ten. You know, it's Valentine's Day coming up this week. You know, <laughs> you know, you'd be serenading Sue with one of those songs. Burt I, I may even don my smoking jacket and play the piano, Dave. Um, and that'll be my grand piano, obviously in in the lounge. Um, I, I think he's, if you look at his songwriting catalogue, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And there's lots of songs that you'll know, but you won't know that Burt Bacharach wrote them or co-wrote them. So fantastic career. Um, and I, I've seen him perform. He, I think it's fair to say he wasn't as good as a, a, a performer as he was a writer. But um, said that about I, I Dylan, he, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, but what a, what a terrific, uh, what a terrific career. And I mean, 94, I think you can honestly say he had a bloody good innings. He did. No, he did. And if anybody hasn't watched it, catch it up on BBC iPlayer. It was, it was, I, I watched it last night, second time. It's an interview with, um, oh, what's his name? Grade, Michael Grade, talking about his career with various artists singing songs, including people like, um, there was it Justin Hayward, Sophie Ellis Baxter, Rebecca Ferguson. Good little program. Guys, great uh, podcast today. Good number of people listening. We're going to sail through 120,000 downloads with this episode we're getting 900 people a week listening which is probably the equivalent of two blocks in the dolman stand so if we can keep that number of people entertained that's great and uh, everybody thanks a lot for uh, your contribution today thanks to the listeners and thanks to tom neil ian and mark goodbye everybody god bless everyone bye-bye all the best thanks, and melanie and melanie this one's for you all the best everyone goodbye goodbye of love is in your eyes the look your smile can disguise the look of love it says so much more than just Words could ever say And what my heart has heard When it takes my breath away I can hardly wait to hold Feel my arms around you How long I have waited Waited just to love Now that I have found you You've got the of love is on your face. A look that time can't erase.